you continue to pray for Brother Earl and his wife and their health. I know that they certainly appreciate that. And, and uh, she was in the hospital not uh, too long ago. And then uh, back at the ER on uh, Wednesday night. And so uh, uh, please uh, keep them in, in prayer, if you will. Second <clears throat> Corinthians chapter 5, and I know we've done uh, uh, taking some time for extra things to honor Brother Earl. And, of course, we'll do it uh, 10 times out of 10. <clears throat> but uh, I know it's a little later as we begin the message. But Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5, and if you'll stand with me, please, for the reading of God's Word. Second Corinthians chapter number 5. We'll begin reading in verse number 8, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 8. The Bible says, We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent we may be accepted of Him. Verse 10, Wherefore we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in His body according to that He hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men that we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. For we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf, that ye may have somewhat to answer them which glory in appearance and not in heart. For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God, or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. Notice verse 14. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge... That if one died for all, then were all dead, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Our Father, thank you for the wonderful opportunity that we have to uh, pay tribute to uh, Brother Miss Schneider. Father, thank you for every morning. He got up early on a Sunday and, and uh, came down and and started a bus and diligently drove and was uh, uh, interested and, and, uh, and, and, of course, wrapped up in the safety of getting children to church so they could hear the gospel. Father, I pray that you'd raise up some other faithful men like Earl Schneider. Thank you for the theme of the message and how it fits with uh, this morning service. I pray that you'd bless now our time together. May Jesus be glorified. May the saints be edified. And Father, if there are any folks here who don't know Christ as Savior, may they be justified this morning before they leave this place. We ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. One of the qualities of what we would call a good Christian would be the word faithful. And knowing that we were going to honor Brother Snyder this morning, I, uh, I was thinking a lot this week along the lines of, of faithfulness. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 20, and verse number six, most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. A faithful man who can find. Proverbs 28, verse number 20, a faithful man shall abound with blessings, but he that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. Many of you are familiar with the phenomenon of a geyser in Yellowstone National Park out in, I guess that's South Dakota. Uh, anybody here ever been to Yellowstone? All right, a few of you have. I've, uh, I've been within a couple hundred miles of it, but never been to it, amen. But uh, Yellowstone National Park is uh, a famous national park in our country, and one of the most famous things about Yellowstone is, uh, is an old geyser, a cone geyser, as it's known scientifically. It was named in 1870 during the Washburn-Langford Doan Expedition, 
And this geyser was, uh, it, it's known for its predictable geothermal feature, which has erupted every 44 to 125 minutes since the year 2000. And that they've been timing it since then, and I'm sure have before that as well. But we know that geyser as simply Old Faithful. Old Faithful. Uh, every 44 to 125 minutes, Old Faithful uh, spouts uh, a, a plume of water, many hundred uh, uh, scores of feet up into the air and so forth. But it's called Old Faithful. We marvel at the faithfulness of a water geyser, but sadly to say, faithfulness has become a lost virtue in the character of many people in 2019. You just, you just don't find a lot of faithfulness anymore. Faithfulness has become uh, the, uh, one of the lost uh, uh, traits of many in our society. And, uh, and we could talk about a lot of things that are related to faithfulness, but this morning I want to challenge us all simply this let's be faithful let's be faithful not everyone can be gifted in certain areas but anyone can be faithful not everyone can be athletic but all of us can be faithful not everyone can sing <laughs> and uh <clears throat> we, we could have auditions not to prove that this morning but we won't do that uh not everyone can sing but anyone can be faithful not everyone is highly intelligent, uh, but we all can be faithful. I'm thankful that in this one area, God has given all of us the wherewithal and the ability to excel. That's, what, that's, that's encouraging to me. The Bible says, a faithful man who can find. A faithful man shall abound <coughs> with blessings. And I'm glad that uh, on this, in this particular area of life, all of us can decide, you know what, I may not be able to do what others can. I may not be able to think like others can. I may not, may not be able to perform like others can. I may not have the, uh, uh, the skills that others may, may have in their lives, but I can be faithful. Hey, I can be there. I can be there. I may not be much, but I can be there. Uh, you may not be getting a whole lot, <laughs> but I can be there. You know, I was, uh, I was talking to an employer in our area a few uh, months ago, and uh, he, was, uh, he hires a lot of part-time uh, part helpers, part-time employees. Uh, he has a lot of kids who work for him uh, after school and on weekends and so forth. And he said, you know, there was a day when, uh, uh, when if somebody didn't show up for work, he said, uh, he said I, it, I, I was very, very impatient. He said, but I found out real quick, and especially in the last 10 years, he said, if I fired everybody for not showing up to work the first time, he said, I'd never have anybody here. I said, well, what a sad commentary in our society. That's sad. You know, <clears throat> when, our, when we've come to the point where we don't have the character just to show up for work when we're supposed to. And, uh, but that's where we are in 2019. I'm thankful that God has given all of us the wherewithal and the ability to be faithful. The writer of 2 Corinthians was the Apostle Paul. He wrote, the, he wrote the words, he penned the words that we read just a few moments ago. And certainly Paul was gifted in some areas, but he also had his share of negatives as well. 
Now, we think about Paul, and Paul gives his own testimony in the Scriptures, and he said before he was saved, he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was a very educated man. He was trained at the feet of a man named Gamaliel, and uh, he knew the Scriptures, and he was well-versed in the Mosaic Law, and he was well-versed in, uh, in all the Jewish traditions and so forth. In that regard, Paul, he was very skillful. He was very knowledgeable. But, uh, you know, Paul had some, some negatives as well. He had some negatives. Paul was not a physically imposing figure. Some people say, some Bible scholars, uh, based on research and things that they have uh, gathered, they say he was short, uh, possibly bald, and not very much to look at. I don't know. And by the way, I take great comfort in some of those things. <laughs> Hurts me when you laugh like that. But anyway... Uh, <clears throat> I don't know if Paul was much to look at or not, but I do know this. Paul was faithful. He was faithful. Oh, sure, he had his, his positives, and he had the things that he was very adept at. He had some things that he was very, uh, uh, he, he very well-versed in some, in some things in life, but he was also shortchanged in some areas. But I'll tell you what, Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 7, he said, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I have kept the faith. Verse 8, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all, uh, unto all them also that love his appearing. What was he saying? He's saying, I've been faithful. I've been faithful. He said, I fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I have kept the faith. You know, in 2019, there are a lot of starters but not a whole lot of finishers a lot of folks who will begin something but they won't finish it and paul said i have finished my course i submit to you this morning ladies and gentlemen that if paul can be faithful to jesus christ so can you and i uh, if paul can say you know what i uh, i may not be much to look at in fact he wrote about his own preaching he said that some people talk about my preaching talk this is paul speaking he said they say his words are contemptible <laughs> he was not the great orator of his day there was another preacher who was preaching uh who was a contemporary of of the apostle paul his name was apollos you have you've seen him in the uh, in the new testament and they said that apollos was a he was probably a very good orator he was very eloquent very good speaker <clears throat> but paul said of himself people wouldn't say that about me but you know what he was faithful and god bless his faithfulness a faithful man shall abound with blessings, the Bible says. Listen carefully this morning. I'd like to give you some thoughts on this, on this subject of reasons to be faithful. Reasons to be faithful. First of all, I want you to see this, the realization. The realization. Look back with me, if you will, in 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. Paul had some realizations that he mentions in this passage that we need to realize for ourselves this morning. And if we will realize these same things that motivated the apostle Paul to be faithful, we can, we can use these same things in our lives to motivate ourselves to be faithful. I want you to see verse number 14, first of all, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 14. Paul writes, For the love of Christ constraineth us because we thus judge that if one died for all then we're all dead i want you to see first of all the love of christ paul said is is reason for me to be faithful yes jesus loves me the bible tells me so 
The greatest truth you'll ever hear this morning, my friend, is the fact that there's a God in heaven who loves you. Oh, you may hear all kinds of bad news today, and I'll promise you if you turn on uh, uh, cable news of any shape, manner, or form, there'll be plenty of bad news to go around. But let me tell you something. In a world full of bad news, the greatest news you'll ever hear is that Jesus loves me, this I know. Paul said, the love of Christ constraineth us. That word constrain there means to hold together. You ever feel like you're about to crack up? No testimonies. <laughs> okay. You ever feel like, man, I just, <clears throat> pastor, I just don't know if I can go another step. I don't know if I can go another day. It just seems like my world's crumbling around me, and I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. And I, I just feel like sometimes I just need to just you know, go uh, crawl in a hole somewhere or, or go in my room and crawl into the bed and turn the lights out. I hope nobody ever recognizes that I'm gone. But, you know, at times like that, we need to be faithful. Be faithful. What motivated Paul to be faithful? Love of Christ. The love of Christ. Think about this. The great God of heaven, the one who stepped out on nothing 6,000 plus years ago and said, let there be light and there's light. The one who said, hey, let all the dry land appear and let the seas be where they're supposed to be and the mountains and the streams and the rivers and, and, uh, and the lakes and all of it. Let all the creation be what it is. And God spoke all of what we see and all of what we enjoy into existence in six 24-hour periods. That same God of heaven loves you. Wow. That's amazing. Amazing love how can it be that thou, my God, should die for me? That's amazing love. We can't even comprehend that. For God so loved the world. How much did he love the world? He so loved the world. That word so is just a two-letter word, but inside, wrapped up in that word so, really is the indescribableness of God's love. How much did he love us? He loved me so much. How much is so much? I don't know, so much that he would send his only begotten son. He so loved the world enough to allow his son to go to a cross and die for you and I. We'll come to that in a few moments, but Paul, what motivates you to be faithful? He said, the love of Christ constrains me. The love of Christ. Not only that, the realization of the love of Christ, but also the, the realization of the crucifixion of Christ. In verse number 15, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, notice verse 15. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. What motivates you to be faithful, Paul? Why do you keep on going, Paul? By the way, Paul had his share of adversity. Lest you think that the apostle Paul was met with parades everywhere he went, that's not exactly accurate. Lest you think that Paul's life was an easy life. Lest you think that somehow Paul had it made in the shade physically. Oh, no, no. Paul gives his testimony of how many times he was beaten. How many times he was imprisoned. How many times he was shipwrecked. How many times he was stoned and left for dead. How many times he, uh, he was uh, persecuted for the cause of Christ. Paul's life was not an easy life. But yet he said, I can still be faithful. I can keep going when I don't feel like it. I can keep going when I'm mistreated. I can keep, I can keep going when I'm slandered. I can keep going when people uh, rise up against me. I can keep going. Why? The love of Christ. And then there's the realization of the crucifixion of Christ. 
He said, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves. Have you spent some time recently thinking about what Jesus did for you? The fact that, of course, two weeks from today we'll celebrate Easter, the resurrection of Christ. But friend, there could be no resurrection without a crucifixion. There could be no resurrection Sunday were it not for the day when Jesus uh, went down that Via Della Rosa in Jerusalem and carrying his own cross and falling beneath the load of that cross, the, he was, uh, uh, the uh, Simon of Cyrene was beckoned to come and, and, uh, and carry it the rest of the way. Jesus did that for you. He did that for me. Paul said, that motivates me. That motivates me. And then he said, the realization not only of the love of Christ and the crucifixion of Christ, but the coming judgment seat of Christ. The coming judgment of Christ. Notice verse 10, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 10. For we must all appear. Now, wait a minute. Who's the we? The we is the church at Corinth, but not just the church at Corinth. The we is any church. Well, who's the church? The church is a group of baptized believers. Folks who trusted Christ for salvation and who have been who have followed the Lord believers' baptism, those are the two requisites to be a part of a New Testament local Baptist church. And he said, we must all appear. Where? Before the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ. That everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Paul said, I am motivated to be faithful by the love of Christ. I'm motivated to be faithful when I, when I remember and when I realize that uh, of what Jesus did for me on Calvary. And I am motivated by the realization that one day I will stand before the judgment seat of Christ as a child of God. And may I say this morning, uh, nobody's going to be absent from that judgment who's supposed to be there. We're not going to call in sick. Okay. <laughs> It's not going to be a no-call, no-show kind of thing. <laughs> no, no. No, we'll be there. There's two judgments, my friend. Actually, there's more than that, but there's uh, two uh, general judgments re referred to in, in, uh, in the prophecy in the Bible. One of them is a judgment for believers. That's the judgment seat of Christ. That's what he's talking about right there. And then there's the judgment for the unsaved, the great white throne judgment. That's a judgment for unbelievers. That's a sentencing of those who have rejected Christ where they'll, where they'll be given their final sentence of, of uh, death in hell, the lake of fire for eternity. But, but friend, you and I, the Bible says, will appear, must appear at the judgment seat of Christ. Now, the judgment seat of Christ is not to determine whether or not we go to heaven or not because that, our sins were judged on Calvary 2,000 years ago. I'm not going to stand before the Lord and, uh, and he's going to say, well, what about all those sins? No, he's, if, I, if I went to God today and said, God, you remember all those sins? And he's going to say, what are you talking about? <laughs> what sins are you talking about? My sin debt was judged on Christ on Calvary 2,000 years ago. Praise God. Gone, gone, gone. Yes, my sins are gone. They're gone. So you say, well, pastor, if my sins are not going to be judged at this judgment seat of Christ, what's going to be judged? Well, he tells us right there in verse number 10, he says that every man may receive the things done in his body according to that, to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. It's talking about your works after you're saved. 
Talking about what you've done for the Lord since you got saved. Hey, after what Jesus did for me, now that I'm saved, hey, the Bible says I'm saved unto good works. I'm supposed to do good not to be saved, but because I am saved. The Bible says those works will be judged at the judgment seat of Christ. You know what? <clears throat> that is something that is yet before all of us. Paul is still looking ahead to the judgment seat of Christ. We're still looking ahead to the judgment seat of Christ. It hasn't happened yet, obviously. But that ought to motivate us to be faithful. Well, I ought to want to serve God faithfully. Not just, well, you know, he did okay for a little while, then he just kind of fizzled out. Now I want to finish. I want to have the testimony of the Apostle Paul where he said, I've, I've fought a good fight, I've finished my course, I've kept the faith. Boy, you ought to long for that testimony. Y'all long for that testimony. The Bible talks about crowns that will be uh, uh, awarded in heaven. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> crowns uh, are, are, are rewards for, for what we've done for the Lord after we're saved. Hey, I'm simply saying all of us ought to yearn and long to be awarded for faithfulness. Faithfulness. Paul, what motivates you to be faithful? Well, there's the realization of the love of Christ the realization of the crucifixion, the realization of the coming judgment seat of Christ. And then there's another reason why we ought to be faithful, not just the realization, but the regeneration. The regeneration. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, look it down in verse 17, You're, if you are still open to that uh, text. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, in verse number 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. <laughs> I like this. Hey, Paul, why are you motivated to be faithful? Well, I realize all these things, love of Christ, realize what Jesus did for me on Calvary. I realize there's the coming judgment seat of Christ. But wait a minute. He said, not only that, I understand I'm a new creature in Christ. I'm a new creature in Christ. Hey, there's been a regeneration. Hey, the things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. Why? There's been a great change since I've been born again. Hey, let me tell you something. <clears throat> when you got saved, there was a new you on the inside. A new you. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Hey, that's not, that's not a fixer-upper of the old man. That's what the world tries to do. The world tries to patch and, uh, and fix and prop up the old man. Hey, we're going to turn over a new leaf. <laughs> Whatever that means. We're going to make some New Year resolutions. We're going to, hey, we're going to, uh, there's going to be a, we're going to fix up the old guy. You know what? That is doomed to fail. Because I'm a sinner by nature. <laughs> I'm a sinner by nature. And the Bible says that when I got saved, God didn't just patch up the old man. No, the Bible says when you be in Christ, he's a new creature from the inside. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. God's not interested in just patching up the old guy. He's Look, he wants to put the spirit of his son, Jesus Christ, in all of us. That's regeneration. Regeneration. I'm not the same guy I used to be. And neither are you if you're saved. You're not the same person you used to be. When you got saved, the Holy Spirit of God did a work. Yeah, you were born into God's family. Jesus said it to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. 
He said, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit. Water's talking about physical birth. Spirit talking about spiritual birth. He said to Nicodemus, he said, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit. He said, hey, Nicodemus, I'm simply telling you, you got to be born again. You got to be born into God's family. Oh, let me tell you something. You ought to go back in your mind often to the, to the spot where you were when you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Perhaps you live a far, a long way away from that, that geographical location uh, at this time. But boy, in your mind, you ought to go back there and you ought to think about how good it is to be saved. You ought to think about the fact that, hey, I'm not what I used to be. I may not be everything that I should be right now, right here today, but I thank God I'm not what I used to be. You say, well, preacher, I got saved at a very young age, and I never was into, you know, really, really bad stuff. You know, I got delivered from sucking my thumb when I was three years old. <laughs> and by the way, that's a great testimony if you got saved at a young age. If you heard the gospel at, at, uh, as a young child and you responded to the gospel of Jesus Christ, then <clears throat> it may take a little more discipline for you, but you better thank God for what he saved you from becoming. Either way, he saved your sinful soul from hell. He regenerated you. You're not what you used to be. And Paul said, because of that, you know what? <laughs> I think I'll be faithful. God took that which was useless and made it useful. God took that which was dead and made it alive. God took that which was, which was discounted by the world and made me something, made me somebody in Jesus Christ. Who are you, Paul? The great apostle Paul. Hey, Paul wouldn't toot his own horn. Paul wouldn't brag about what he is. He said, he said God forbid that I should glory except in the cross of Christ. He said, hey, it's not about me. It's about what God did in me. And by the grace of God, we can say the same thing. But all, all of that should motivate us to be faithful. You know, I owe God something. Now I can never repay to God, Brother Day, what he did for me. I, th there's no way. After all that God did for me to save my wretched soul from hell, there's nothing I can do to pay that debt back. But you know what? Well, we, we sure ought to want to. We sure ought to want to. Why should we be faithful? Hey, there's the realization. There's the regeneration. And what I, what I want you to see, number three, is the reconciliation. The reconciliation. Look with me, if you will, back in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And uh, look at verse uh, 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Hmm. That's interesting. All things of God who hath reconciled us to himself. Now, keep something in mind. Two weeks from today, we'll celebrate Easter. Easter represents the culmination of the gospel message. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The whole purpose for Jesus coming to this earth can be summed up in one word. And he mentioned it right there in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. Reconciliation. Reconciliation. God and the human race were enemies. Let's make it personal. You and God were once enemies. Me and God were once enemies. I should say God and I, I guess that's bad English. Uh, we were once enemies. Jesus came to bring God and man back together. That's why he came. 
That's reconciliation. It took a lot for Jesus to bring me back to God, but that was his whole purpose in coming. In Luke chapter 19, in verse number 10, the Bible says the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That was his whole purpose in coming. His purpose was to bring God and man who were enemies of each other back into fellowship with each other, reconciled to each other. Jesus did all of the heavy lifting when it came to my being reconciled to God. He was born in a cattle stall. He lived 33 homesick, uh, 33 and a half homesick years away from his heavenly father. He had no place to live during his earthly ministry. He said, foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. He was unjustly accused. He was beaten and mocked and spit upon. His countenance was so disfigured that he was barely recognizable, the Bible says. He suffered the most cruel and gruesome death known to man. He bore the agony and the shame and the reproach of death by crucifixion. He went through uh, the, the incredible torments of being, uh, of being hung on a cross for all the world to see and to the, the shame of it and the, the, uh, the, uh, the, the pain of it. He went through it all. He was buried in a borrowed tomb. Buried in a borrowed tomb. And after three days, he arose triumphant over death, hell, and the grave. <laughs> what, I'm, what I'm trying to get you to understand is Jesus did all of the heavy lifting as far as you being reconciled to God. He did all the work. Hey, you're not going to work your way to heaven. Jesus already did the work. You say, well, <clears throat> I'll get to heaven some other way. There is no other way. Well, uh, I, I'm a pretty good person. You're not good enough to get to heaven. The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none good, no, not one. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And yet here's Jesus, comes to this earth, went through everything that he went through to reconcile us back to God. Now, after Jesus went through all of that, how can I just quit? How can I just quit? After everything that Jesus went through for me to bring me... Now, I'm not talking about quitting my salvation because you can't get unsaved once you're saved, all right? But how in the world should I, as a Christian, how can I justify just turning my back on God, doing my own thing, going out in the world, having a big time, and, and denying uh, uh, my faith by not identifying with God's people? Hey, how can I be unfaithful to church after what Jesus did for me? That's a good question. How can I be unfaithful to my family after what Jesus did for me? How can I be unfaithful to the cause of Christ after what Jesus did for me? He reconciled me back to God. Paul said, hey, I'm going to finish this thing. I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to be faithful all the way through the end of this life. How are you going to do it, Paul? I'm going to realize what Jesus did for me. I'm going to realize the love of God. I'm going to realize the, the, the coming judgment. Hey, I'm going to understand that, that God regenerated me, made me somebody brand new, and I owe that to God. And then he realized the reconciliation part of it. Last thing, we're done. Paul, why are you going to stay faithful? Notice the representation. Look at verse 20. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be you reconciled to God. Notice what he said, we're ambassadors for Christ. Paul said... I can't just quit. I can't just become unfaithful. I can't just decide to do my own thing. 
We represent Jesus to people who need to know who he is. We're ambassadors for Christ. Ambassadors for Christ. That word ambassador is exactly what you think it is. The United States has ambassadors to different countries all around the world. We have an embassy in, in, uh, in all of the countries where we have diplomatic relations. And, uh, and we send an ambassador who is the head of that embassy in, uh, in that foreign country. He represents the United States in a foreign land. And the Bible says that you and I are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. We represent the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to the people that we live with. We represent God. We represent Jesus to the people where we work, to the people where we go to school, to the people where we shop. Hey, we are ambassadors for Christ. You know what? An ambassador who is unfaithful isn't much of an ambassador. <laughs> Think about it. If we have an ambassador to a foreign country and he decides he wants to be more like the people there than the people of the United States, he's not representing the United States very well, is he? That's not what we pay him to do. Hey, the taxpayers need to bring him home <laughs> because he's not representing our interests in that country. Likewise, hey, if I'm an ambassador of heaven on this earth, guess what? I need to be more interested in what life's like in heaven than what life's like on earth. I need to be more interested in how God wants me to live and how God wants me to talk and how God wants me to, to appear to others. Hey, that ought to be my heart's desire is to represent heaven down here and be faithful at it. Be faithful at it. 2,000 years ago, Jesus ascended back to heaven. He said, I'm coming back to get you one day, but until I do, I want you to represent me to the entire world. I want you to represent me at your school, on your job, in your neighborhood, in your community. But you know, one of the biggest problems with Christianity in 2019 is that we have a lot of undercover Christians. <laughs> we want to be, hey, we're saved, we're on our way to heaven, but we don't want anybody to realize it. That's not an ambassador. That's not an ambassador. Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 16, Jesus said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. Why? To glorify your Father which is in heaven. That's what he said. He said, let your light so shine. In other words, don't be ashamed of who you are. You're a Christian. Boy, you ought to, you ought to, uh, to uh, I, I use the word proud, but, uh, and I, that's, I can't think of a better word to use. But be proud that you're a Christian. <laughs> don't be ashamed of it. Pride in the context of I'm not ashamed of who I am. Hey, don't be ashamed to be identified with Jesus Christ. You know what we need? Some old faithful kind of Christians. Old faithful. I'm not talking about Brother Snyder now. I'm talking about <laughs> old faithful kind of Christianity. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about folks who just say, you know what? I'm going to serve God as long as I have a breath to breathe. As long as I have a voice to praise him, I'm going to praise him. Hey, as long as I have a, a, a mind to think with, I'm going to honor the Lord men and women and teenagers, boys and girls who just keep living for the Lord. This illustration I've done. There are people all over the world who are persecuted for the cause of Christ. We don't even think about it here in America because it's, it's a foreign concept to us. But right now, as we sit in an air-conditioned auditorium in Waterford, Michigan, with freedom to preach the Word of God, freedom to sing the songs, freedom to to uh, exalt the Lord, 
As we sit right here on the other, all around the world, there are Christians who, if they do what you're doing right now, they suffer for it. They suffer for it. There are Christians on the other side of the world who, several hours ago, before the sun ever came up on this side of the world, there were Christians who, on the Lord's Day, on the other side of the world, several hours ago, they had to meet in secret. Because if the government found out about it, they'd be in trouble. Some are imprisoned. Some are tortured. Some even give their life because they dare to be identified and stand for Jesus Christ. Now, I'll be honest with you. I don't know if any of us will ever face that kind of persecution. I hope and pray that we don't. God knows my heart. I hope and pray that we don't. But one thing's for sure. We will never be able to die for Christ if we're not willing to live for him. God's not asking you this morning to, be, to put your life on the line for Christ. What he is asking you to do is live for him. Live for him. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That's all he's asking. That's all he's asking. Hey, why don't we decide to be faithful? Why don't we decide to be faithful to his word, to his church? To other believers, hey, you know what? We have a responsibility to each other, to encourage one another, to help each other. We have a responsibility to our Savior to be an ambassador for him. Why don't we decide, like Paul of old, hey, you know what? I may not be able to do things other people do, but I can be faithful. Hey, you know what? I don't care who you are in this auditorium this morning. You can be faithful. You can be faithful. Why don't we decide? Why don't we, be, why, don't we, why don't we be motivated to be faithful? Our Father, I pray that you'd help us. Thank you for this wonderful truth in your word.